Chapter Five of Lift Luck on Southern Roads by Tickner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Blue-Eyed Maid. The inn at Slumberwell was called the Blue-Eyed Maid. This was my first discovery on waking in the morning, for there she hung just outside my window gently swaying herself in the sunshine and staring into the room with the bluest and boldest pair of eyes that paint could give her beyond this stony-faced inquisitive damsel lay the village green every blade of grass beaded with the raindrops of the night before and round the green little thatched cottages huddled side by side each with its patch of bright-hued garden glowing before it slumberwell lay low and was as near waterlogged as a place could be the river all but overflowed its reedy banks and made so many loops and sharp bends here as almost to enclose the village you came upon unsuspected brooks and freshets at every turn of the street the sound of running water was eternally in your ears to get out of slumberwell dry shod seemed almost an impossibility but by help of some well-worn stepping-stones i escaped from its drenched shady precincts at last and won out into the untrammelled sunlight of the hills at the first hilltop i turned for a final glimpse of the little place there was nothing to be seen of it but a plume of blue wood smoke here and there and a slender white spire standing up amidst towering elms all green as in their summer prime in the deep wood afar off i heard the stroke of an axe the river sent up a rippling bell-like note and now as i paused listening the church clock struck clear and low the most solemn and beautiful sound i had ever heard but saving this there might have been no human settlement for a hundred miles round me so wild and quiet was the place and yet there was no element of solitude in the morning certainly none of that stagnant inactivity and out of the worldliness inseparable from many scenes far busier than this what actually constitutes solitude and desolation seems never to have been rightly determined it is not absence of human life enterprise these as often as not carry the very spirit of loneliness and effacement into the noisiest street it is difficult to analyse even the simplest of our emotions so many crosswinds and undercurrents go to sway the mood of the moment that we soon lose all knowledge of the course we have mentally steered but perhaps the secret lies outside our own personalities altogether the old astrologers believed that the trend of human life was ordered by the stars he that was wise enough 
might read the whole tale of human destiny writ in their bright calligraphy but like all absurdities this may have had a certain element of truth at its core whether other planets have their influence on our daily doings and sensations or not it is certain that our own round earth does strangely overrule us at times both in heart and mind coming away from slumberwell on that silent blue and gold morning the fact or fancy call it what you will that nature was still in her wide awake strenuous mood of the night before was borne in upon me at every step a dead calm brooded everywhere the sunbeams poured steadily down on a landscape that was all smiling peace and quietude bees hummed in the wayside blossoms and the birds kept up a cheery optimistic chorus far and near in the woods but the sky held none of this tranquillity it was more like a battlefield strewn with the wreck and violence of the night where scattered and beaten the old feuds still smouldered fiercely this sense of a living strife between stormy night and overmastering morning sunshine of a sort of rearguard action still contested sullenly bitterly between the victors and the retiring host found a curious echo within me for all the glad light and song and fragrance of the morning i was conscious of being thoroughly ill at ease it was if the war-sated earth were crying peace peace when there was no peace though the sun was irresistibly cleaving a path before him the sky was full of cloud forms of a livid ominous hue stark upon the azure or laid on with a bizarre touch and ruthless strength one upon the other every depth and intensity of grey was there twisted torn rags of mist were caught in the hollows of the black downs behind them a glowering rampart of inky cloud made another horizon just as solid as the hills yet it was not the thunder-charged character the declared vehemence and velocity of the sky that so strangely moved me it was the fact that all the clouds still retained their careering minatory look though utterly spent and driven to a standstill i struck a match and held it up in the sunshine without a tremor the flame went straight up into the lifeless air a thread of gossamer would not have swayed its own breadth in that surpassing stillness amidst the blossoms at my feet a butterfly dallied i looked from the butterfly to the sky above her gently fluttering veins held more real motion than the whole silent serried heaven vast black cumulus and lurid streamer ragged peak beyond peak tumbling together in panic-stricken rout it was all petrified into a sombre an almost horrifying stillness that gave the lie to the placid sunshine 
and the dreamy quiet of meadow and song-haunted wood it was but my third day on the road but even thus early i had got into the settled habit of keeping an ear trained behind me for any sound of overtaking wheels this time i heard the sound a mile away i heard the horse drop from a smart trot to walking pace at the first hill heard it pick up again on the level and heard its steady slow tramp up the second and steeper rise there was no mistaking the vehicle nor the type of man that presently came into view it was a doctor's gig and in it a doctor of the good old-fashioned type well-groomed rosy-faced important and a look about him that instantly suggested the whist-lover and the judge of wine i can only take you a mile or so on the road he said when we were bowling along together my path to-day lies through the wilds i am taking to the heather almost immediately this had a promising ring about it i told him that any way was my way if he would consent to put up with my company he laughed a rich quiet restrained laugh like a chord on an old violoncello there is not much company in a country doctor's daily life he said and it is only a chance that i am able to enjoy yours this morning as a rule wheels cannot take me where i have to go and there is nothing for it but to ride i thought to myself it would need a good horse to carry a man of his generous calibre he went on as though i had spoken the words aloud yes my riding days are pretty well over as you can see but there is no help for it this parish alone covers ten thousand acres and the few hundred people in it are scattered about in the most inaccessible places the poor man i am going to see to-day for instance though he is pretty well past all doctoring ah here's the gate now i am afraid i must take you by a rough road we turned into a sort of bridle path that was little else than two deep ruts in the virgin carpet of the wood the bushes clutched at our wheels and the overhanging branches lashed our faces as we went along then the track doubled up through a thicket of firs dark as night and finally out into the sunshine again where there lay before us a wide expanse of heathland studded with gorse and stunted pine a score of grassy tracks led away through the tangle of firs and bracken and heather each as well or as ill-defined as the rest my doctor chose his path unhesitatingly it was one of the pleasantest lifts that fell to my lot that day we went straight over the undulating heath right in the eye of the sun neither wheels nor hooves made the slightest sound in the soft springy turf 
we seem to float along through the sunshine and sweet pure air of the november morning the sky was clearing fast under the hot sunbeams and getting with every moment into truer concord with the gladness of earth and my old unrest of heart was clearing with it we made such noiseless progress that even the rabbits were taken unawares often they scuttled out of the way only just in time to avoid the horse's hoofs the birds sang on unconcernedly taking no sort of notice of us we moved in an arcade of music thrushes robins wrens were blithe in every thicket a flock of goldfinches scattered the thistle-down in one place and in the next a whole company of linnets filled the air with their slender tweeting song a green woodpecker got up and laboured heavily off his crimson cap and emerald jerkin looking strangely tawdry and theatrical in the brilliant light and presently an old jack hare sprang into the path took one swift look at us then went limping away before us for half a mile or more carefully regulating his pace to ours the bluff old doctor pointed his whip towards a farmhouse that had now crept into view there is my place of call said he and that i am afraid will be the end of our journey together as i turn back when i have seen my man he left me at the first gate of the farm and drove up to the house alone and a few minutes after i saw him going off by a short cut to the heath through another field i watched him until he had disappeared into the wilderness of yellow gorse then went up to the house intent on my own business i had no idea of my whereabouts there was not a vestige of a road nor any other house in sight it struck me therefore as prudent to get some sort of general direction from the people there while there were people to ask i had resigned myself to the conviction that the ride over the heath was to be the sole bit of colour i was to obtain from the doctor for this my peripatetic kaleidoscope but indirectly he brought me now one of the queerest chips in the whole collection it was the farmer's wife who opened the door to my knock she was tall and slim and ceremoniously affable a mere word on the doorstep was obviously dead against her ideas of courtesy to strangers nothing would satisfy her but that i must come in and sit down the door opened direct into the kitchen it was a vast cavernous place with a stone floor and a ceiling crossed by many beams of smoke-blackened oak from these depended strings of onions bunches of dried herbs sides of bacon and the like a huge wood-fire hissed and crackled in the grate and tucked away in the ingle-nook sat a gaunt wax-visaged man wrapped in a blanket 
and spreading lean shaking hands to the blaze he took no notice whatever of my entry while the woman plunged into a complicated recital as to footpaths crossroads odd turnings that i was to take or avoid on my way the dying man for his life was plainly at its last flicker kept his wan eyes on the fire smiling vacuously his white attenuated fingers forever wavering to and fro in the red light before him then ye goes by collops corner and soon as ye comes to three old ash trees you'll see a bit of a sandy lane don't go down there but take lisa it was the invalid's voice feebly hailing her take the next turn and to the right and what is now willem and then ye keeps on straight as ever lisa mind as ye don't forget to ask the barnbridge folk and old mrs stabber i'll see to it willem ye keeps on straight as ever two feet'll carry ye fur as marcus's farm you'll know it by the green gables and then i had just thought o'd lisa the smitherers ought to be asted too and george taylor has said as he'd follow me if i ain't followed ee already willem do bide quiet and then ye'll see the road to staple fitzpain right afore your eyes tis far more belike but the thin high voice from the fireside twanged out again lisa i likes the idea o gone but not forgotten at bein no so lonesome like as safe in eternity i never realised until that trying moment by how thin a line the pathetic and the comical are sundered in most human affairs End of chapter five